I mean, what's to stop someone from leaking the whole thing, hypothetically? Uh, their career. It's a legal issue. What's stopping them? The law is stopping them. Hey everyone, um, welcome to the first episode of The Artist Experience. I'm your host, Max. Today, our guest is John Yang. He's a 3D animator. He has worked on shows like Ruby, Genlock, and the Godzilla movie. And he is currently working on a video game animation. John, how are you doing? So before we get started, uh, since this is the first episode, I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, what kind of inspired me to start this podcast. Um, so basically, I've always been uh, really interested in like animation, TV, movies, and that sort of thing. And uh, you actually kind of inspired me some, uh, somewhat to start this podcast because whenever we would hang out, um, since you ended up, you know, studying and going into animation, um, we would always talk about like, uh, what it was like working at an animation studio and that sort of thing. And so I just thought it was really interesting and, you know, something that I could try and turn into a podcast. Um, but yeah, I just I just feel like uh, nowadays, you know, there's a lot of movies and TV shows and stuff, but like the people that get the credit are the, uh, well, not get the credit, but the people with the uh, spotlight on them is you know mostly the movie stars right the actors who play these roles and so what I kind of wanted to do was you know get some more spotlight on the people who uh, worked behind the scenes the uh, effects people or the writers or that sort of thing and so it's kind of like the uh, unsung heroes um, in these in- industries and so the purpose of this podcast is really to hopefully give these people a voice and let them, you know, share their own experiences. So yeah, I guess, so first off, uh, can you tell the viewers about the different types of animation in like very simple terms as possible? And, um, you know, what's what's popular right now and what type of animation are, uh, do you primarily work on? I mean, generally it's just... Mm, let me cut this part, by the way. Uh, uh what? Yeah, I mean, I need to think about it. I need to think about that. I don't know, it's a really broad question you asked because... It's just a simple matter of medium, you know, 3D, 2D, motion graphics, pixel. Yeah, yeah. So just whatever. like talk a little bit about that. You don't have to go too in depth, but too well, in depth, simple. but 3D, like 3D animation is the most popular because it's the cheapest. Or cut that. 3D animation is the most popular because it's the most straightforward, most simple, and most easily accessible form of animation to use. So as a result, it's just just like that. That's what I work in, 3D. So, so most companies use 3D nowadays, right? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Look at, what, most films, they're all 3D games. Majority of them work in the 3D engine, so it's natural just to assume 3D is the most popular. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like one thing I wanted to talk about is uh, in these last few years, I've really noticed a lack of like 2D animated movies, right? Um, I mean, yeah, I love, I love Disney and Pixar, but it just seems like the studios, it's really hard to tell them apart nowadays. I mean course you know even back in the 2d days sometimes a little difficult to differentiate you know the movies from disney as opposed to any other 2d studio so sure there's a little bit of stylistic differences between them but right right animation it's hard for the untrained eye to discern the difference between the two well just like it is now right right i mean what i'm saying is like maybe 10 10 years ago maybe um they disney actually used to do like hand-drawn animation and now it's all it's all 3d now it's all cgi now you know of course Streamlines a lot easier to do. It's very pretty, and the audiences really don't care, to be honest, for the most part. General audiences, at least. So, it's only natural to assume that 3D is the next step in animation. Right, right. And there are some studios that do try to implement some sort of blend between 2D and 3D, which mm-hmm. is excellent. Klaus being the most latest, latest example. The Netflix movie from last year. Hmm. I mean, in your opinion, do you think these types of uh, like movies will make a comeback anytime soon? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. not. Cost, yeah, it's a cost-benefit thing. So, so you think audiences. movies? Uh, from now on, animated movies will pretty much always be 3D. I don't know. Probably. I mean, <laughs> it's simpler. Like I said, it's just a matter of cost. You know, much cheaper to produce, and mainstream audiences don't really care. Now, of course, there's still plenty of 2D animated movies around. They're just you know, less common. Indie films, shorts, generally a feature film by a by a you know a world-renowned studio is typically just going to stay 3D. It seems. Right. Right. I mean, he- here's what I will say. Um, I think nowadays when you go to the movies, there's basically like three big uh, categories that dominate the box office, right? There's sequels, reboots, and like the big blockbuster movies like uh, Star Wars, um, Marvel, that sort of thing. 
And so one thing I've noticed nowadays is that the more risky and creative projects are um, that probably would have never made it to the big screen or, um, you know, like a major network. Now they're getting picked up by streaming services, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, like Zack Snyder mentioned how basically if it weren't for this era of streaming uh, that we're currently in and HBO Max, that the Snyder Cut would have never happened, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess my question is, do you think that riskier, more original content, uh, not just with story, but with, like, animation style, that sort of thing, that we usually don't see in theaters anymore, do you think those will start making a comeback in, you know, Netflix or these other uh, streaming services? I mean, of course, you're already seeing it with, you know, your previous examples and my previous example as well, but generally streaming services are more willing to take risks in general, not just in animation, but in filmmaking, but because of that, there's a lot lower quality of work being outputted through the streaming services. Mm. It's more of a, you know, get as much out as we can as possible and see what sticks kind of deal, instead of actually carefully taking time to consider, you know, what's the best course of action. They're willing to take more risks because they have a lot more room to give than major studios do. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, cool. Um, so do you want to talk about, like, the different, like, programs you use to animate? You know, I mean, there's only one program everyone really uses in the industry, or mm. like in studio work at least. And there's some other smaller ones for other uses, but very few people use those. So all the big studios, Disney, uh, DreamWorks. Some sort, yeah, they use either Autodesk Maya or some some sort of proprietary version of it. Mm. So they're, they're all using pretty much the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Makes I mean, sense. The, the software doesn't really matter at all. Skills are easily transferable in animation. How often does something new come along? Like a new software? Like never. Never? It's incredibly difficult to create an effective animation software when the market's already saturated with, you know, enough that work. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, people have had problems with Maya and a lot are switching to Blender because it's a good alternative, but for the most part, there's only a small handful that everyone knows and uses. I was reading that um, new technology and software comes out all the time. Like, yeah, of course. I was uh, reading, um, I think it was some movie, uh, I think it was Frozen. Um, they say, like, how they modeled the snow and stuff. That was like a new uh, program they used. I mean, I have no idea what they could be talking about. It might have been new software. It might have been just, you know, some specialized tool or version that they're using. I have no idea. And uh, for some other movie, I think it was uh, Zootopia. I was watching this um, mm-hmm. making of video. When they say new technology, that right. can mean a lot of things. You know, new software for animation doesn't rarely ever comes out. I mean, every year there's a new version of Maya, a new version of Blender, a new version of Mobu. But for the most part, you know, it's still the same software. Okay, but yeah, I, I saw something that was like, they were using it to make like pedestrians, like in the background, you know, with uh, background uh, characters crowds. walking, like oh, crowds. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I heard that was they used some new software for that as well. So it's like, that's something different entirely, probably. So new like software doesn't really come out. New like patches come out. New iterations. I mean, yeah, new, ver- new versions, okay. new iterations. I mean, there might be some new tools, new. New techniques and sure that yeah it might be new pieces of software but like the standard overall is, is pretty much the same i have no idea overall really hmm. foreign uh film animation studios um would you say like most of these are uh like do they make stuff for like i'm trying to think about how to word this do they come out with their own shows or do other or do people in america who make shows hire them to animate the shows. I mean, you know what both. I mean? Yeah, it's both. It's both ways. Like, sure, American studios outsource to foreign work and foreign mm-hmm. work outsource to American studios. It's, it goes both ways. Of course, everyone makes their own work. Not everyone. I mean, even India. India is known for its outsourcing animation, but even then, they produce a lot of their own work. They outsource a lot of their animation? No, they get outsourced a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of really? studios outsource to India. Yeah. I, I mean, heard it was... Labor to China and India in general just because, you know, it's yeah, cheap yeah. there. That's what they export. I heard it was mostly uh, Korea that has a lot of animation studios. I mean, Korea does, yeah. Mostly for games, because, you know, okay. Korea... Well, actually, you don't know, because Korea pumps out a lot of MMOs, uh-huh. MMOs. So, like, it's like one every year, every two years, it seems. Mm. They, they have short lifespans, too, so new ones are constantly coming out. But, yeah, a lot of studios there, a lot of game studios. What are a lot of, like, big uh, production studios in... Uh, I have no idea. You don't know? I have no idea. No, I don't know at all. Oof. I don't know much. It's known that they make a lot of games. Next, let's talk about Ruby, um, which is probably the biggest thing you've worked on, right? Uh, 
biggest reveal thing yet. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, you know what's actually really interesting is uh, today, uh, July 18th, is actually the uh, anniversary of Ruby. It's seven years ago. The first episode came out today. Hmm. I, was, I was looking that up uh, earlier today. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so I, I guess, can you talk a little bit about your day-to-day process at Rooster Teeth? I mean, it's about as simple as any other animation job, I suppose. You know, you show up to work, you animate, you have lunch, then you animate more and go home. Sometimes you get reviews, sometimes you hang out with your coworkers, but that's about it. You know, it's just a simple two-year-long job that I worked on for some time after school. Right, right. Um, I think you mentioned to me before, like, uh, your te- you and your team were pretty close. Like, you guys would hang out after work and stuff, right? Is that uh, like typical of a animation studio, or yeah, it's typical of workspace workplaces in general? I feel you know you get a group of like minded individuals working towards a common goal, so naturally it's natural to assume that you know you get along. Of course, there's the age difference that usually we have to take into account. Like at Rooster Teeth, everyone was very young, mm. early twenties, mid, mid to late twenties. So as a result, we got a lot closer than most studios would. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, cool. Uh, and then you mentioned that before you started working there you hadn't actually watched the show before right you when you got hired you actually binged the whole the whole thing of course i think that's all once right. you, you know start a new job in studios that's the opportunity to actually sit down and watch mm, it, it was like uh three seasons um back when you started right uh four five, four somewhere around there really okay um so working at on uh ruby and at rooster teeth um in general did you um, get any uh, chance to have any output, or <laughs> did you uh, have any input in the hmm. story? Story, of course not. Generally, no. That's the writer's and director's job. My job is to bring their vision to life, as any artist is. Right, right. So, so they never like ask you, like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" or Unless anything. It's animation related, no. Okay. Like, you know, how a character would act in a scene, gotcha, what kind of actions gotcha. they would take. That's the only, that's about it, really, for any person of my position. Actual story elements is always left to, you know, whoever's actually in charge of the story. That's their job. I'm not going to, you know, tell them how to do their job. They wouldn't tell me how to do mine, usually. Right, that that makes sense. Um, so it's kind of like you talk about, like, um, how this character would move or whatever, right? Of course. Cool. Um, so th- explain to the audience, I guess, because for the people who aren't too familiar uh, with this world, um, are there like different roles uh, in producing a show like this? I'm assuming someone does like the character models, and then someone else creates the background, oh, yeah. or is it like okay, just like any other show, or really any, literally anything you make, because there's different people who have different jobs to do different things. I mean, um, okay, go ahead. Yeah, as far as as far as our production went, it's pretty standard for any animation studio, really. You know, you got your art department, your animation department, your post post production team. And there's all sorts of various jobs of that sort. There's you know the pipeline. Um, I mean, there's a lot to explain, but in general, you know, you have yeah, you have concept artists, uh, pre-vision development, you have your modelers, your riggers, your texture artists, your lighters, your animators, of course, your layout artists, pretty typical stuff for the for a traditional animation pipeline. Okay, so so it's not like one person animates an entire scene or anything like that. Everyone has very specific uh, roles that they do. Well, I mean, the animator, yeah, they would animate the scenes, but the person developing the assets for the scenes is someone else entirely. And the person to touch up those scenes and edit them is, again, another department entirely. So the like the character model, the lighting, that's all different people. Yeah, of course. I okay. mean, it's like it's like an actual film set. You know, you got your actors and you got your light department, your makeup department, your cinematographers, the writers, all that stuff. Everyone just has their own job. Okay. The only difference is ours in the computer. Gotcha, gotcha. Going back to Ruby, um, the I guess I kind of want to talk about the origins of Ruby. And so the guy uh, who created Ruby, Monty, right? Um, he created it as kind of like a side project. Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I'm not really familiar with the origins that much. I just kind of worked there for a while. Okay. Um, well, as far as I guess, as far as I know, um, no, it wasn't a side project. It was kind of more of a passion project of his. Something that he really. Oh yeah, to passion do. passion project is is what I meant. So, I mean, I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is because this wasn't even like their main thing that he was working on, right? This was a passion project of his. And well, the idea was that once he was hired on to work on Beverly Three for a couple of seasons and. Eventually, he had the idea for the show itself, which he then pitched to the CEOs, who they liked, which they liked, and uh, that's it. And they started working on it. This show, would you say this show is basically what put uh, Rooster Teeth on the map? No, Red vs. Blue was, 100%. Okay. It definitely tapped into a different audience base than RBDs, but it was, Rooster, Teeth, Rooster Teeth was already pretty well known at that time, before Ruby. 
because I'll be honest, I I never heard of uh, Rooster Teeth before Ruby yeah, came out. Play video games. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, Rooster Teeth and Red versus Blue in general is very well known to a lot of people I knew growing up around the time. So I kind of knew, I kind of had, had an idea of what they were doing before uh, I went in. I mean, would you say this kind of brought them like more into the like mainstream almost? Though? Uh, no. No. Okay. I mean, it definitely tapped into the anime audience, but not the mainstream mainstream though. It's kind of already done. Okay. Most people, okay. like most people I know, who don't even play video games. Are already familiar with Rooster Teeth just from Red vs. Blue. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I always assumed like this was the project that put them on the map. They were saying like this was the show that they started like selling DVDs at Walmart and stuff. I mean, again, Red vs. Blue already kind of had that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was it's a fan base project of a very popular property in the Bay So. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not a gamer, so I I had no idea. Um, cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really cool when these, like, indie projects take off, you know, like, small, um, small companies like these, um, like, the guys who, the guys who created, like, Ninja Turtles, right? They were just, like, like, screwing around, kind of. It was just two guys, and they created a, uh, parody of Daredevil, and, um, you know, now it's taken off like it has. So, now that Rooster Teeth has become much better, bigger and genlock was also another show that you worked on correct Mm -hmm. um okay i'll admit i haven't watched it yet um but it did have some (laughs) yeah uh haven't had the chance yet but i probably will um but there are some really big names attached to to genlock um from what i researched uh Maisie williams from game of thrones was in it Mm -hmm. um david tennant one of my favorite actors uh, from Doctor Who, um, Jessica Jones, uh, and Michael B. Jordan was also in it. Um, you know, Chronicle, Creed, Killmonger, mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, actors as well. Um, so a lot of a lot of star power. Um, I mean, when Genlock was coming out, was the like were there higher expectations or? Oh, naturally, of course. You get that many big names in a big budget show, so it's natural to assume that more people or you know higher profit margins are expected. For you specifically, or your animation team specifically, did they say, like, I mean, was it any different from working on Ruby? Did they say, like, we got to raise? Okay. No, they didn't say anything specific, like, you know, work harder, but it was <laughs> kind of natural. You know, new show, big name artists, so everyone kind of felt the urge to, you know, work a little harder than usual. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I think you mentioned to me that uh, before it came out, they would test, like, actors, they would take their voices and test uh like footage with them and stuff and to see if they would be a a, a good fit for a character mm-hmm. a lot of actors were considered for the role but how, how many are really you allowed to say like how many actors they I mean, I no did idea. test I, okay you don't I know no i wasn't part of the testing process i was working on other stuff at that time so mm-hmm. yeah cool um let's go back to ruby a bit okay. so with ruby um you don't have any input at all into like the story or anything Oh, why would I? I'm not a how how far ahead do you know? Like, they just tell you like episode by episode. No, they just give it. I mean, there's the whole script out before the season starts, or that gets pumped out periodically throughout the season. So, about it. So before the season comes out, you you already know what happens the whole season. Okay. You know that that kind of reflects on the performance of the characters and like what mm-hmm. happens. So like yeah, you you should know what happens throughout the season. The whole season. I mean, yeah, there's a script. Okay, that's interesting because, I mean, what's to stop someone from leaking the whole thing hypothetically? Uh, their career. You leak, <laughs> I mean, if you leak, you're blacklisted from the industry. Your, your job and your entire career is gone. No one's ever going to hire you again, and you're probably going to get sued too. You that's... signed an NDA before work. Yeah, yeah. It's a legal issue. <laughs> what's stopping them? The law is stopping them. Didn't let's talk about this then. Um, you work in video games right now. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. How much of the story do you know then? Do you know the whole story of, of the game? Yeah, I know the whole story. Oh, you know the whole story? Of course. Damn. Again, what's stopping me from leaking it? Probably I not. mean, okay, there was a game, there was another game recently mm-hmm. that got yeah. leaked before it came out, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it did happen. Yeah. Right? So, so that person gets fired and blacklisted. Simple. Leaks happen all the time. Did they find so, out who it was? Yeah. Oh, they found out? They sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I know Overwatch 2 was leaked at Blizzard. Oh, really? So janitorial guy yeah, he was cleaning and found some poster and then he leaked that mm-hmm. apparently uh star wars almost got leaked because 
the guy John Boyega left the script under his bed or something and the the oh, yeah. cleaner person was cleaning it they found it and they like sold it on eBay but then like Disney bought it before uh, anyone else could so smart smart it's Disney um so yeah that's that's crazy that you know the whole game already you should yeah it reflects, it reflects the performance of the characters I feel like what? why not carp why not What's the word I'm looking for? Carpenomentalize? Incrementalize? Incrementally? Not incrementally. Um, mm -hmm. like keep it on a need-to-know basis. So that yeah, it's a it is on a need-to-know basis. We're we as artists are on. But a when you basis. start animating, do you yes. need to know the whole story? Yes, I'm like, okay, what's this character thinking in this moment? Or how does this affect later performances? How does this affect Damn. the character further down the line? If I'm like, okay, this character is gonna be sad in this scene. I'm like, why is he sad? Does mm -hmm. some character dies? Is there a backstory? What's going on? What's happening next? What will lead this? What what came before this? So I know what's going on. Of course, it's part of being an artist. It's part of the need to know basis, of course. It just seems like like why not give it one part at a time? Because then if someone leaks it, they only leak part of it. You well, uh this is that's what I'm asking. That's this what is I'm very asking. Reflective on your personality. You're a very defensive guy and paranoid too. So it makes sense that you would think this way. Well, here's here's the thing. Let me oh, let me interject real quick. That's a urine marker, okay? Let me interject real quick. Okay. Um, yeah, I I probably am a little more paranoid, but these are big studios with like million dollar games. Let's say right? you were an actor. At stake, I'm right? For a sec. Okay. Let's say you're an actor. All right. Yeah. You're in a scene. Here's your script for just that scene. Mm, you don't know what happens mm. next. You don't know what happens before. You're like, okay, what am I doing in this scene? That Where does, am I? That does make What's sense. Going on? Yeah. How do I how do I act? Like, how do I know what to feel? How do I know what this character is feeling? Mm -hmm. How do I know what this character has been through? And how do I put that into my performance? I can't. So right. I don't know what's right. Happening. Right. Okay. Right. Like if you're like even if you're the set designer, I want to create a set for the scene. Okay, why is the scene here? How do, we, how do I make the scene look like this, and how should I make the scene look like in general? Because that way I would know like where it fits in the narrative or the story as a whole. If mm -hmm. I don't know any of that, then what mm -hmm. am I doing? Right, that makes sense. So, generally on on games, you know everything. Then you know the whole story. Yeah, of course. Okay. Everyone does. And then if for you're on game, you will. okay, and then for uh, TV shows, you know the whole season. Generally, if they have okay. a script for the whole season, yeah. I mean, not all TV shows function, function the same, but in this case, yes. Will they ever do something like, let's say they, do they animate the whole season and everything is done and then release it like one episode at a time? Or is it like they'll release some and then animate the later half of the season? Well, yeah, that, that depends on the show, really. Okay. Um, We're talking about shows, shows, right? Um, so sure. I read somewhere that uh, like Simpsons, they do... Uh, they animate right and so they finish about half a season they'll release it and while the half first half is being released they'll keep working on the second I mean, half yeah depends on the so, show some okay. some shows do two cores and simpsons does that rick and morty does that oh really i don't know about everything else yeah it varies just different studios do things differently different publishers or different different uh publishers do it differently i don't know do you think they ever um do something where it's like uh they'll release a first half of a season and then once they get feedback, like let's say they get like really negative feedback on what's going on, and so would they ever like rewrite the later half of the season? At that point, you're not making art; you're just making a product to cater to an audience. Like artists just create a product that they think is an expressive piece of art that mm -hmm. they think the world would like. If you release half the season and then say wait, wait for what the fans want, you're not creating your creation anymore; you're creating the fans' creation. That's what China does. They make up they pump shitty <laughs> movies, people don't like them. They pull the movie out of theaters, edit it, and then really, it they do that. Yeah, that's not art. That's just huh. pumping out garbage products for a wide audience. Mm. Like, again, at that point, you're not creating your own work. You're just creating the audience's work. Sure, feedback is good and important. But if you decide to change your entire story fundamentally after, and, like, wait for feedback before finishing it, then, yeah, your audience is writing your story for you at that point. You're not creating it. Well, I'm not saying, like, they're necessarily stopping and waiting for feedback. What I'm saying is, like, would they take feedback into account? Let's say they had something planned. I mean, of course they take feedback okay. into account, yeah. Yeah, but they're not just going to wait for feedback first. Cause that's right, what, right. Again, it's letting the audience write it for you. So I'm saying, like, hypothetically, let's say they have, like, a whole season planned, right? They release okay. half of it. People, uh, The fans don't like the direction it's going. Would okay. they hypothetically just say, like, let's scrap everything, listen to what they say, rewrite it, and then, okay, you guys start animating this new version now? I mean, it might. Who knows? Different studios, different ideas. I mean, I don't mm. do that. That's kind of silly. But if someone wants to, then, yeah, then go ahead. Yeah, I mean, 
if you can talk a little bit more about your day-to-day at rooster teeth to be honest well, i mean there's really not much to talk about you know it's just go to work animate sit in the review and then you're done do you i mean it's pretty straightforward you meet like the writers or the voice actors or and no. stuff or no no okay our meeting usually just has and our leads and it's pretty straightforward you just they tell you what they want they'll show you what they have and how about this? Walk me through like the whole episode. Let's say, I mean, yeah, yeah. So like, they're coming out with a new episode. What is the step by step process I mean, from start to beginning? Involved. You gotta understand the animator's not involved the whole episode. We're only involved our part of the episode before it passes to the next person in the pipeline. That's why it's called a pipeline. You know, it's like feeding something through a pipe. You gotta understand. I'm not involved with it. I'm not very well informed. So you don't you don't know too much then about yeah, the whole. Not. Okay. I'm, like the most like most parts Damn. involved with are my part in the parts of directing before and after. That's what I'm most familiar with because of what I do for a living. Mm. The rest of the part, I mean, I have a vague understanding of like most people. I think you mentioned you like downloaded uh, a character model of like Elsa or something, right? Uh, yes, I did. So, um, like, how how does that work exactly? Like, someone created. A 3D model online, and yep. if you have the program, you can download it and I guess make her do stuff, or, or how does that work? You didn't create this. You didn't create this, or you created this? I did. I made this. That's what I'm talking about. The model someone else made, but you're, like, making her do stuff. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So you, you could animate, like, your own Frozen scene or something. I probably. Just a character. Like, there's, like, if you want some good lighting involved, then probably not. Hmm. So yeah, just I'm the characters, gonna... you can't... Yeah, I'm going to okay. start from, uh, hold on. Yeah, if you want to show me some some stuff you you worked on. No, uh, this isn't something I worked on. This is, a, this is an example of what I'm talking about. Mm. So like, I mean, you've probably seen this because you know you like frozen stuff. This is a. Here, let me watch. Is, I, haven't, I haven't seen this. Before, watch probably. stream. Yeah, I mean, look. I mean, look. Look at this stuff. You see this? So someone working at Disney made this. This is a rough. This is from the, no, this is from the movie. Like it was a progression, right? I'm trying to start. Right. This, is, this is like leveled out the movie. Oh, okay. A simple background, no lighting. It looks really basic. No clothing simulation. Look at look at all the ice stuff. Okay, here's symmetric. here's the thing, John. Yeah. I don't know if they're gonna let us sh- show this or not. Okay, show it. Um, I'm sure, whatever. So so that is something someone at Disney worked on, and someone else went in and added more details, right? Yeah, that's someone else's job. Like this is the animator's job. They're animating the characters. Here's the effects. Well, not really the effects. There's like placeholders to show the director like what their uh. you know what they have in mind, what their vision is. You know, they'll refine the animation, and by the end, someone else lights it. I skipped the last steps, but you get the idea, right? So, so go back, go back. Where? Yeah, here. So that little ball that's floating around, they're using that, and that's gonna turn into those those that's lights that floor. That's the place where the animator does. Once the effects artist gets their hands on it, they'll like mm-hmm. do something completely different. Their own thing. I have no idea how any of their stuff works, but. Huh. Yeah. Also, there's like 50 steps between sleepwalking and refine. There's like another 50 steps between each. Fifty steps between these that they kind of gloss over. Yeah, there's just a broad overview. Simple okay. Broad. General YouTube audience. Stuff. Right. So, so go to that. Yeah, that part. Pause. So the final product right there. Um, yeah. I mean, how many people would you say probably worked on that then? Oh, this whole shot. Yeah. This. Well, I mean, the whole dozens, scene. Dozens, lots of people. Dozens. Yeah. I heard. I mean, uh, okay, hold on. Let me find out. There's a really good one I saw in school. So Ice Age. Um, oh, this is just animation. Good one. This is a pretty good one, actually, but there's still a lot of steps in between. Like, this is just the animator's job. Just the animator. I mean, say, yeah, of course, they did for general animation. But Question. Okay, more. hang on. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Um, is there always a guy that's like doing the movements, or they they use like a toy or something to like? No, that's, that's, for, that's that's just for filming reference. I mean, whenever you are, you need reference, you know. So right. So so reference. Yourself. Do people always use like an actual human as a reference? Yeah. Or yeah, okay. that's the best way to get a, the most natural acting. You know, because that's what animators do. They imitate life. So if you want a good reference, you get it from real life. 
so that doesn't necessarily have to be you. In this mm-hmm. case, it is because like this is a very specific scene you need to act out. Right. But if, like, if it's like a more generic motion, like you want to see some guy do some parkour, then you just look up parkour videos and mm. use that as a reference. I know some movies like Rango thinks this. They actually did film all the actors beforehand. Oh wow! Acting out the scenes in real life. Yeah, let me find that actually. So Johnny Johnny Depp actually did like all the facial uh, movements and stuff. Yeah, let's see a reference. Oh, here it is. No, I don't want to see that actually. Oh, here it is. I think this is it. Yeah, see, like beforehand, they acted out the scenes of the movie in real life, and they used that to, and the animators used that to help the reference. So that's that's actually Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they he's doing that to be honest. Well, no, they, I mean, yeah, that's what the director wanted, so they're gonna do what the director says. Because of course, yeah. The she, idea is to help one the animators get, uh-huh. get a better idea of to get some perfectly good at, re- reference from like an actual actor. Two, it helps the, the actor like perform a more natural performance as opposed to just sitting in the sound booth and just you know voicing it out. Of course, I'm pretty sure later they had to do that anyways, just right. to, you know, refine some rough bits. Right. But like overall, this is a really good way to you know reinvent that character, just act like that naturally. Hmm. I mean, yeah, Who yeah, knows? for sure, for sure. Um, that is interesting because a lot of people probably would have thought you know you just go into a booth, record the lines. That's I mean, it. Most, this is a special case, I feel. For oh, the you most think part, so? That's usually how it goes, yeah. It's usually just go on a booth, record a line, you're done. <laughs> I think most it's a little more complicated than that. When it comes to animated, most actors don't really care, you know, just like 40 minutes out of their day and they get, you know, fat pitching and they're <laughs> done with the movie forever. You you really think that's how it, it works? That's totally how it goes. Uh, totally how it goes. You know, then afterwards and behind the scenes, like, yeah, it was really cool to work with so and so. They were there for like a day or two. They don't really care. It's for, it's for the paycheck, it's part of the illusion, you know. Wow. Yeah, but this, stuff like this is really rare when they actually. You know, actually help out with the previous is really great for the animators to work with. So, usually, would you say, um, is it usually like the animator that's animating the scene? They'll record themselves uh, doing it and then use themselves yeah, as they'll, reference. They'll do themselves. They'll find some friends who can probably act it out better. Maybe mm. really just whatever it is, whatever it is to one help visualize the scene in their head, and two sometimes just show it to the director and be like, hey, this is what I had in mind. Or like, what do you think of this acting beat? What do you think of this? And they're like, yeah, you can do this. Let's change that. Whatever. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, there's a really good one somewhere. Is this one? This one here. Yes, this one, this one. So this guy, my teacher showed me this in school, but like before the scene, he and he drew his own 2D animatic all by himself. He didn't have to. Uh, the animator did. Yeah, the animator did. Okay. He did it for the director to show like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, this, These are the acting beats I want. These are the poses I want. This is what I had in mind. Of course, it's normally, and then then he acted it out himself. That's, hmm. I guess, I guess help himself. Doesn't use a lot of emojis, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming this guy's like one of the head animators or something. No, this I think this is just some guy. I mean, oh. it doesn't say. Uh, huh. I have no idea who he is, but. Yeah, he's probably just some guy. Just, just uh, you know, normal animator. Hmm. Look at that. Amazing work. <laughs> You know, you know what's crazy about Frozen? Yeah. Apparently there is a version of Frozen that has a lot less Olaf. Like, yeah, a lot more uh, Elsa Anna and a lot yeah. less Olaf. So, yeah. the original version is supposed to be a lot more... Here, we can go ahead and close your screen. Um, All right, sure. But the, the original version is supposed to be a lot more, uh, like, focused on the sisters, which is basically what the core of the movie, like, is. And so yeah. they actually cut a lot of. There's like three songs between. Oh, you like the original Frozen, right? Original Frozen, yeah. Or the first one. The yeah. first one. Yeah. Actually, both, both, both of them had like stuff. So talking about the uh, the first one, um, they had like three songs that they cut out. Like they recorded it and and everything. Um, you can go okay. online and and, uh, and find it. But it's interesting because like it was supposed to have a lot more development between Elsa and Anna, and they kind of like. I think what happened was the studio was probably like, you gotta like lighten it and make it less serious. Mm. So they probably just like crammed a lot more Olaf in there. I mean, I know the kids liked Olaf. Yeah. Like Olaf. Oh, so, your sister? Like, I guess, yeah, I guess it worked. I don't know. Obviously, it doesn't resonate with me as well. Uh, yeah. People like you and I didn't really care for Olaf. He's kind of just like, eh. To me, it's like, Olaf, he's fine, but he was in there a little too much, you know? Um, too much Olaf, huh? Yeah, because... Like, it'd be like if uh, the monkey, like, Apu, Apu or Abu, Abu from, <laughs> Abu. Abu from oh, wow. Aladdin, it'd yeah, be like if he got his own song, song, you know, like, yeah, it's, a little much. it's it was a little much. Um, 
especially since like the whole core like theme of the movie is like Mm -hmm. these two sisters that were super close and then they got separated and now it's like love and stuff is like bringing them together right so you would think that like they would really want to establish their relationship and stuff but i don't know they just they cut out a lot of stuff so it's disappointing oh yeah yeah of course that's what studios always do you know they want that mascot character and also cool merchandise merchandise yeah exactly exactly i mean you can can sell toys (laughs) but like you see olaf has got like a distinct shape yeah makes a more appealing character in general because of that kids are going to want a little toy i guess i don't know i mean little movies are definitely one down anyways yeah i mean that that makes sense like the studio has to make demands and stuff but i don't know i think like it'd be cool to see like a version of frozen that was like the previous version with more of elsa and anna and less of olaf like a previous cut like fully animated you know i think that would be really cool um you know how people are saying like uh hashtag release the snyder cut oh i want i want like i want like Hashtag re- release release the frozen cut. Yeah. Hashtag release the frozen cut. I guess. You know what's crazy? Yeah, what's up? Today's Kristen Bell's birthday. Really? Happy yeah. birthday, Kristen Bell, I guess. You should uh, send her a message, dude. She'll like it. Uh, She's like, oh my god, Max knows me. She's great. Like, because I asked my, like, my first job interview, I asked yeah. my uh, lead that. I'm like, hey, what's the day of your life? She's like, yeah, you just go to the anime, that's it. I'm like, yeah, I answered your question. That's the day-to-day life. You're mm-hmm. just going to animate. There's nothing really, you know, unique about it. It's not like, oh, yeah, I go to this. And this. It's just going, get your assignments, film some reference, start working. That's it. And then talk to you, get some help, talk to your leads, right. and review your work. Yeah. Do you see, it's like, fine. a storyboard every time? I think we talked about I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if they're all boring. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes they're not. My workers don't look at the type of animation. Okay. So, being an animator is Talk about that, then. Talk about that. Being an animator is... It's hard. It's really hard. It's a, an artist in general. It's a hard, sub, hard job of creating you know, subjective work. Of course, in the studio environment, it's different because you know they need mm-hmm. something specific sometimes. Like, we need this. We want this. But sometimes, like, here's a scene. Here's what's going to happen in the scene. But you kind of got to bring your own artistic input to it. Into it, you know. It's like right. acting. It's like acting. You know, right. like you, you're the scene. You're, you're sad. Your dad just died. You know, and you have to say these lines. Go. You right. can't just you know say these lines. You got to put your what's the word? Not effort, but like your artistic input, I guess. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, being an animator is a very untraditional path. It's kind of mm-hmm. becoming more so because, I mean, I do work a 9-to-5 job. Yeah. That's pretty standard. I have my own benefits and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not easy being an animator. It's just a lot of hard work in a small competitive industry that you got to work hard for. Right. Yeah. You're a and contract work. worker right now, right? Or... Yeah, of course. Okay. Most animators are. And that's another thing you got to deal with because being an animator, you lead a very unstable life for the mm-hmm. most part. Unless you get a really good staff job early on, you're going to be moving from place to place city to city job to job every couple of years it's mm-hmm. a lot harder to have a stable life as a young animator even as an older one too i mean is it more would you say it's more artistic or more technical then i mean as an animator it's more artistic there's other field there's other like job disciplines in the animation industry that are more technical like i guess rigging 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 a character model for animation is a very technical job less artistic I modeling mean, modeling yeah. is also very artistic but there's a huge technical aspect in it mm-hmm. of all the fields though animation is probably the most artistic and the least technical it's very most artistic and least yeah. technical okay. yeah you're putting most of your art into it there's huh. not that much technical knowledge involved oh i mean it, it helps you know mm-hmm. especially if you know how to operate the other disciplines but for the most part animation's uh mostly just arts related aren't you working through a computer program though when you animate yeah but it's not that difficult to operate really it's pretty simple in fact you can learn the software itself really fast within a day, a few days, really. Really? A few days? Yeah, I mean, if you want to dive, just for animation, I mean, like, Autodesk, I could do a lot more than animation, mm-hmm. of course, and that, like, the other stuff will take a lot more time and effort into learning. But just for animation itself, there's not much of it you need. It's like having a, it's like having a whole toolbox, and my whole job is uh, just screwing nails in. I don't need a whole toolbox. I just need a screwdriver and maybe, like, pliers or something, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, someone else's job to hammer the nails in, someone else's job to measure the measurement so are you, are you stressed? stressed out um from your day-to-day I mean, job or I mean, me personally no okay i'm aware a lot of people i do work with are regularly stressed out mm-hmm. just getting the work done on time you know sometimes getting feedback is important as an animator right. or an artist but like no one wants to you know spend weeks on on something just to hear you know it's not right yeah it's different you didn't do it right yeah and it's never personal either you know mm-hmm. it's never like you're bad you suck yeah but they're criticizing your work, mm-hmm. and, you know, you kind of you feel that. As an artist, you feel that. Yeah, of yeah. course. You know, you feel like, 
uh, they don't like my work, so that means I must suck. Or something. So, so hypothetically, you could work on something for weeks, and they could be like, no, do it again. Yeah, or even if you're making a movie, you could work on it for years, and they'll be like, that movie sucks. Like, like, what, like, what, like what we've been talking about. That movie, Superman. That movie sucks. Hundreds of hours, hundreds of artists spend, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. working their heart out on that. All for us to save. Yeah. That, that, uh... But that's just part of art, you know? Even yeah, that's... Uh, pay, pay as an artist. Paycheck, so. See, because I, I never would have, like, viewed animators like that, to be honest. Like, as... I don't want to say as artists, but artists, when you draw or create something, you know, um, it, it comes from within, and it's, it's very special to you uh, a lot of times. So when people cr- critique that, it's like... It's very mm-hmm. personal for them, so I never would have thought of it the same way. I guess, mm-hmm. like uh, even Sonic, they probably had to redo a lot of stuff, right? Um, yeah, the animators. Oh yeah, I mean they basically had to redo the movie, uh, the whole movie. The anima- I mean the parts of Sonic, <laughs> oh, it? yeah, geez. they changed the model, so they have to change the animation to match. Although I did hear like not right. much of it really? was changed because. Like, yeah, cause I heard, like, he looks way different from the first trailer. Uh, yeah, when the first trailer came out, like, it's not the entire movie was done. They still mm, had a lot of work mm, to do, so okay. some parts weren't animated. Right, yet. right. So those parts didn't have to, you know. So they can just take the new model and run with that for the newer ones and then just redo the older ones. Redo, like, the older scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can suck. It can suck for an artist, but... Eh. I mean, what's... Yeah, what's do what, the, what they tell you. Yeah. What's the, the biggest, like, stress... What's the biggest um, thing that uh, animators stress about then? Is it deadlines or? It can be. It can be deadlines. It could be the quality of your work. It could be getting it right. There's a lot of different things, you know? It could be finding the next job. Mm. Just a stressful life in general. Yeah, stressful life. You gotta really love the fields of work in it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true for most mm-hmm. jobs in general. <laughs> most um, like artistic uh, related jobs in general. It's mm-hmm. very risky and um, you really do have to love it and I don't know. For most people, what would you say like their end goal is then? Mm-hmm. Uh, what for an artist? Yeah, for an uh, animator. Stuff, you know? Just to make cool stuff. Or sometimes just to have a job. You know. To have a job to eventually be head animator. I don't know. Some people just want a paycheck. Hmm. Just like yeah, a regular nine to five. Some people like the artistry. Some people just want a job where they don't really hate it. It's pretty fun. It's fun being in. <laughs> Stressful is a lot of talk. Lot of talk about stressful. that. What's what's fun about being an animator? Because you're making something. You're making a tangible product that you know you can see something people react to. You know, like if you're I don't know programming software for an insurance firm. Yeah. Sure, people use that. And it's a tangible piece of software, but you know, who really cares? It's just insurance software. Mm-hmm. If you're making a, a movie, you're making art. Everyone knows what that is. Everyone knows what movies are. People know what video games are. So when you come to that, it's you know something that you can enjoy. You're making a product that's almost for yourself. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only that, you're working with a lot of like-minded individuals who feel the same. Everyone I work with, you know, they play video games, they watch anime, they like movies, they like animation. So when you all get together and kind of work together to create one of those products, it's, it's pretty cool. But you don't even watch the movies that you work on. I mean, if I cared about them, I would. I honestly wouldn't. Like I said, I don't consider me working on those movies. Two weeks of previews really isn't uh, okay. work on a preview. So you, you play all the games uh, you work on? I mean, the one game I work on, I will play it. Um... Let me ask you this then: Is mm-hmm. like, say you work on a game, right? You're working on a game. Are you able mm-hmm. to then, like, kind of do a test demo of the game while you're working on it, just to make sure, I mean, yeah. sure everything's I mean, we do, running? We do, we do internal play tests sometimes. Okay. That's for QA. They just get whoever they can in the studio. Mm. Yeah, because Just small stuff like that. So the game studio will take, uh, will ask people like, "Hey, come try out this test demo of this game." Yeah, external playtests, yeah. That's QA job, QA's job, though, so I don't really know what goes on in there. Okay. Um, but you know what's weird? Mm-hmm. Is when I watch a lot of movies, like any movies, really, and I look at the special effects or the animators, there's a lot of Asians who do animation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but <laughs> there's a lot of Asian artists, unsurprisingly. I mean, I would, at least more than half the animators are Asian. I mean, why do you say unsurprisingly, though? Because I feel like, I don't know about you, because... Stereotype. <laughs> the Asian stereotype it is artists. a stereotype. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's another stereotype that's Asian parents don't want their kids going into art, right? Yeah. So I mean, I'm still surprised. There's. Their parents think and just want to do their own thing, you know. 
How many? Not only that, yeah, there's kind of a thing with Asian families I noticed. That, like the first child, yeah, the parents always expect to do something, but like kind of after that, they stop caring and was like, yeah, whatever, do whatever you want, man. I mean, you're the first child. Yeah, but my parents don't care. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, what were we talking about? Um, I mean, would you say like in in this industry, like special effects, animation, mm-hmm. um, a lot of Asians, fifty percent maybe? Nah, not fifty percent. No? I mean, not in America. I mean, it's predominantly white because you know America's predominantly white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if you could give a percentage, what, what do you think it would be? I don't know. I don't know what percentages. I mean, I don't, I'm I'm pretty young in the industry, so it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Got. You. Okay, so. Uh, real quick, I do want to bring up Godzilla. You worked on the second Godzilla movie, right? King of Monsters? I mean, yeah. that was just previous work for a couple of weeks. At mm. Comic Preview Studio, so it's really hard to say. I didn't contribute much at all. Yeah, I, I don't know what that means. Can you kind of I mean, go in? I mean, so like, previs is not is pre-production. It's before actual filming, actual animation, mm. actual, actual development begins. It's mm. sort of a... The actors, the director, the effects artists kind of all do their jobs. Basically, creating a mock-up of the movie, a low-budget version, to be exact. Uh, a uh, low-budget animation, or yeah, low- basically an animatic. You're creating an animatic with CG uh, assets. I mean, even just Google, like you know, Avengers: Infinity War previs, and you'll find some great footage of what they did. Hmm. So, I mean, when you work on a project, whether it's Godzilla or Ruby or whatever, so is it? Do they like? present to you like a storyboard like hey this is what we basically want to happen and then you just follow it or sometimes they'll just give you a script sometimes they give you boards i mean it varies really depending on what they have but for animation at least like the actual animation part of course they're going to give you like they'll provide you the assets they'll have a scene already laid out for you camera done and several meetings to lead and directors telling you exactly what they need like smaller studio stuff sometimes you're just kind of left on your own to figure out what's going on but as far as my experience goes that's usually what i've been used to mm-hmm. so sometimes all you'll get is like a script and you basically have to animate it oh, blind. No, like i said that's very very small studio stuff i'm talking like you know 10 people in a okay. garage kind of deal yeah any comp any competent studio will provide you with the necessary tools to actually do your work properly and not just throw you in the bin with nothing but a script mm-hmm. are there are there studios like that that are just like 10 5 to 10 people or i'm, I'm sure there are there's plenty lots of indie game studios are like that just a handful of people are just making games Making games like I guess these these people can afford to be riskier because they don't have a lot to lose and they have everything to gain, right? Uh, well, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I can't really speak for them. It's a it's a very broad subject to to answer. I mean, I remember uh, reading like the guy who created uh, you know the FNAF games, Five Nights um, Five Nights yes. at Freddy. I think it's yeah, called. Um, he was like. A very small indie developer, I think, and... I mean, there's, yeah, there's plenty of small indie developers. Like, there's plenty of very popular indie games that are developed entirely by one person who does literally everything. I'm not saying it's common, but... Right, it right. still happens. And sometimes, you know, they could become the next FNAF. I guess, yeah. It's a broad industry. There's a lot of a lot of factors, a lot of variables involved, so... Okay. There's a lot of different things. Forgot to mention it earlier. Um, Going back to Godzilla. Right. Uh, So... Apparently that movie takes place in the same universe as King Kong, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they're trying to build their own cinematic universe. So it seems like, uh, a lo- I mean, what is your opinion on so many of these studios trying to create their own shared universe and basically trying uh, to be the next MCU? Marvel did it really pretty well with the Avengers. Superman Cinematic Universe brings a lot of money, so everyone wants to do the same. I mean, last generation, it was Harry Potter. You know, everyone wanted to adapt their own young adult novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that, the yeah. Hunger Games, the early 2010 young adult novel, they all wanted yep, to their own. Yep. Hunger versions. Games, yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, what, it's just what was chasing trends, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, what's your opinion on that? Let's let's talk about it. I mean, it is what it is. It's a little silly, but hey, man, if it creates a great product, then who really cares? I'll watch it. Like, that's what, that's, what, that's what happened to Marvel, you know? Not very many people thought Marvel could really pull something like that off, but it took them over a decade, but they did it. For me, I think that's the big thing for me, is, like, um, creating a, a great product, right? So yeah. if they're more focused on just copying everything that Marvel did, then I, mm-hmm. I don't think they can create a great product because they're just chasing... I'm trying to word this right. They're just chasing, chasing a trend. They're chasing a formula that they think works and in a way it does but um 
I don't know. It's it's like you can plan and set up and do all you want, but if you can't make a good movie, if you can't make that first good movie, then mm-hmm. you know you're not gonna get people on board, right? Yeah. So everything's rushing it. That's all it really is. It's just people rushing through all these trends, trying to cash in on the cow while it's still hot. I don't <laughs> realize that you know Marvel took ten years to set all this up, but yeah, everyone's trying to do it in three. They uh, did you see that thing that was like um. Tom Cruise movie, The Mummy, I think. They were trying yeah, to mummy. build like Created a uh, dark, universe. dark universe with that one. Yeah, that kind of sucked. <laughs> oh, of course, it's not going to work. I, I heard uh, it came out with The Invisible Man next, which is the right move because instead of trying to make it a big, grand action mm-hmm. movie, which it really wasn't, these were small, universal monster movies, you know. I they heard could, that was good. To a smaller studio. Yeah, so they gave it to Blumhouse, a studio known for doing smaller horror movies. Because that, yeah, Invisible Man turned out to be a good movie. Now, the question is, is that part of a cinematic universe or you know like <laughs> probably <laughs> at this point i mean at this point they're doing the smart thing which is just make the movies if it's good sure throw them together in a universe mm. but that's mm. what marvel did you yeah know, let's make iron man let's yeah see how let's make thor mm-hmm. and eventually they're like yeah it's, it's working pretty well let's make the adventures yeah i, I agree um mm-hmm. you worked on a uh, bumblebee right I mean, nah. A little bit. Like, I mean, like, let's like talk about days. it. Okay, sure. Um, like, hey, we need someone to fix these cameras. I'm like, sure, we'll do that. And fix I these cameras? Can you... Yeah, can I just you... change some settings, that's all. It's not much work. Oh. Hardly worth discussing. Uh, well, I have no idea. I've never <laughs> seen the movie, so... Uh, oh, you haven't even seen it? <laughs> nope. I haven't even seen Godzilla yet, actually. Oh, wow. So you, yeah. so you don't even watch the movies you work on? No. no, I mean, if I'm interested in it, I'll watch it. Yeah. You watched, uh, or you you worked on that skyscape, skyscraper movie. I didn't see that either, right? With my the Rock. Saw it, my parents saw it. I... So your your own name is in the credits, but you didn't even watch the movie. Uh, nah, I should. Damn, not. damn. Yeah. I think it will, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I mean, you like you can make a movie called what Batman versus Superman, and Batman versus Superman is like two minutes of the movie yeah and then they team yeah. up and fight the big disco monster it was, that no one really cares about like it was not good um yeah people want to see batman fight superman that'd be like a winner because you know Godzilla yeah. versus king kong you know that's the movie people are hyped about because mm-hmm. apparently the last one it wasn't even a winner people are still debating like who won you know which last one there's there's another godzilla versus king kong movie before really yeah let's look up Oops. godzilla versus king kong because i know like the director but mm-hmm. this time he says He's heard a lot of complaints about the last one, and he really mm. wants this time to be like a def- have a definitive winner. Yeah, so when you get like Batman v Superman, it's like who won? It's like oh, they both won because they teamed up together. Like no one wants that. They want to see Batman kick Superman's ass or the other way around. You know? I feel like Godzilla would easily win because he can like breathe fire or something, right? I mean, yeah, he fires like a giant laser. King Kong's just a monkey. That's big. <laughs> so Godzilla definitely wins it. I think so. Oh, I found it. It was a Japanese movie. Check it out. Oh, look at this. Yeah, watch, watch. 60s Japanese movie. Yeah, let's, let's see what the people spoilers for anyone who cares. Uh, oh, yeah. Spoilers. Let's see. Kong is dropped next to Godzilla for the final battle. Godzilla has the advantage and nearly kills Kong, but Kong. Uh, what does he do? Suddenly, a bolt King Kong revives and charges him up. <laughs> and after an underwater battle, only Kong resurfaces. There's no turn. I guess you can kind of say King what? Kong won, but like, eh. I want to feel like one of them ripped the other's heads off, you know? That's like a winner. Do you th- do winner. you think they will do that in theaters nowadays? <laughs> yeah. Do you oh, think hopefully. they would do that? Hopefully. I mean, you want, like, you want to see someone win. That's why you go. It's like going to, like, a boxing match. You know, you want a winner. You want to see someone win. There's no way they're going to make it uh, rated R, though. Okay, I don't know if they're going to rip his head off, but he's probably going to, like, you know, kill him in some way. That'd be cool. Maybe, maybe. I, I think the thing is, like, once you kill off... Once you kill off a character, I mean, yeah. I don't know. There, you lose. I don't want to say you lose the chance to make more movies with him, because they can always. I mean, they Just do that. Yeah, they. That's like a cheap shot. Yeah, it's like dead up. He's alive. Here, here we go. Yeah, I mean, they do that a lot. It's like bringing characters back. It, it does cheapen it, but at the same time, I don't know. It's a tough debate. Like to yeah. kill off characters. Um, you know, I think. Uh, the Russo brothers talked about this. They were they were saying like, once you kill off a character, I mean, you pretty much ruin people's uh, hopes and chances that the character is going to come back, right? Yeah. Um, once you kill them off, because you know they're, they're not going to be any in any 
Like movie in the future, um, spinoffs spin maybe. Time I mean, look, um, at, look at Infinity War. Loki dies in like what the first five <laughs> minutes, and he comes back in Endgame. That's cool. Yeah, like, it yeah. wasn't in the same timeline, but he was still there. The yeah. character just showed up. That was fine. That was awesome. And now they're but doing they uh, kill characters off, but like yeah. still kind of bring them back, but not really in creative ways. Yeah, and uh, now they're doing a Loki TV show. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they they were saying like, because if you kill them off. Yes, you do kind of ruin chances of them mm-hmm. coming back, but at the same time, if you don't kill off characters, it feels like there's no stakes. So it's it's a it's a tough balance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Snyder cut, I think. Man, so um, can do whatever they want. It <laughs> won't necessarily be the right thing to do, though. Here's why I think uh, Snyder cut Justice League will do well because he's had what like three, four years to basically listen to the audience feedback and so what can he do without really changing the whole movie as a whole because no he will change it he will change it so he's basically making a new movie this is this isn't just a cut this is a brand new movie at this point it's hard to explain because they're saying it's his original vision so so it is a new movie then pretty much i think it will be okay um the problems with batman v superman were like fundamental issues um so uh, what I heard is they have all the scenes uh, filmed out already with the actors and stuff. They just need to add the effects onto it. So his movie is like pretty much done, but I still think like he can, I think they're doing some reshoots. I don't know, but I think he can basically take three years of feedback and make the movie that the fans want kind of and say like, hey, this was my original vision. You know, it's very hard for him to lose at this point. I mean, you never know. <laughs> Fans will eat up anything. I mean, they've yeah, been wanting it yeah. for so long that they're just gonna like it. I mean, here's the thing: they've been wanting it for so long, they're gonna have to like it. Otherwise, yeah. they'd be forced to admit they were wrong. That's... No one wants to admit they were wrong. Yeah, that's. Uh... And just suck it up like they usually do. Yeah. Who knows? It might be good. I think it will be good. Um, I was never like one of those like. Oh, yeah, I don't know. What, what? What? Why do you say you think it'll be good? Like, what? What gives you the idea that it'll actually be good? Because we've heard like nothing about it other than yeah, yeah it'll be the original cut. And like, how do you know? How do you um, know it's good? Like Man of Steel, was that the original right. cut? That movie kind of sucked. Uh, here's what I'll say. Um, I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people make him out to be. I think like, no, of course not. Um, he does make pretty good-looking movies. Um, Man of Steel, I would say, is probably like the best after uh, Wonder Woman. The best no, DC movie, oh, huh? <laughs> DC movie. Okay, <laughs> yeah, the I best DC I movie. Um, I don't know. I th- I think it will succeed just because like. Like I said, the fans, like, he's had three years to kind of listen to fans and see what they want and what they don't want, so it's kind of hard for him to fail. Mm. I mean, he'll still fail. Never know. As long as it's a good movie, then who cares, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously he can still fail, but I don't know. I think he has an advantage right now just because, like, it came out, and then, like you said, they're releasing another version so kind of kind of like what china does apparently i never knew that so yeah, because too many movies i mean I, I don't really know anything about it i heard uh i mean the chinese movies never really come to the united states so it's not really anything we see um i don't know i think i would like to see more uh foreign studios release stuff within the United States. Yeah, well, like I said, as long as it's a good product, it'll be good. Oh, uh, speaking of movies that come come out and then get re-released, um, uh-huh. Cats. Yeah, I heard Cats. They uh, pulled it yeah. and yeah. added yeah. effects and re-released it. Yeah, you know why? Why? For the Oscars. Why? They just wanted better consideration for Oscars, even though the movie sucked. Really? Yeah, effects were good. How does that work? I mean, like, Oscars, uh, yeah, they just wanted a better chance at winning, I guess. That's why they released it around that time. Hmm. But still, the movie sucked. Did you watch it? Nope. Oh, man. I don't need to watch it. I saw the trailer. (laughs) I mean... I do plan on watching it, though, because everyone I know who has watched it Mm -hmm. says it was like... I mean, yeah, they said it was bad, but yeah. at least it was good. It was, it was so bad, it wasn't good. It was so bad, it was just weird. It was weird, but there was some entertainment that you can derive from that. I mean, the special effects, is that hard to do? Like, 
for guests? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Adding fur to a whole cast of characters. Adding fur. Yeah, but it's all prepared from their animator. And with the with the faces of the actors slapped on them in a weird, creepy, realistic way, it's not it's not easy. I mean, that's that's hard to do, right? Yeah. Wow. I'm saying we're getting a lot more out of the movie discussions than the animations ones. I mean, because <laughs> here's the thing: like, I know more about movies, so I can talk about it. Animation, I don't know too much, so it's oh, you know what? Let's let's talk about movies. Go. Let's it's gonna movies. be a more one-sided. Uh, it's gonna be a more one-sided conversation. You know, okay. if we talk about yeah, animation, we bring up some which, movies. Let's talk about some movies. Here's the thing: like, okay. your expertise is well. What I'm presenting to the audience of yeah. why I'm having you on is because you're an animator, right? It's <laughs> I know, I know. Because if people want to watch groups of friends talking about movies, like there's yeah, maybe we could do billions too, huh? of those, uh, you That's know, on true. the internet. Um, I mean, we could, we could, um, yeah. we could. And also, the market for the movies is bigger. I just feel. I, I definitely would say, even though I am an animator, yeah, I probably would have more to contribute to movies because. What animation, do you mean? Yeah, there's there's so much I could talk about to like a general audience, you know, because I can talk about animation to animators forever, but like to someone who doesn't know anything, there's. Like, well, that's that's what I'm that's about. what I'm saying. Like, try to at least let us understand a little more mm-hmm. because okay. people watch you know movies all the time, right? People watch Marvel, Transformers, whatever, Ruby, yeah. whatever, right? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of them are curious about what goes on behind the scenes, and yeah, you know, because like I said earlier, um, when you watch like interviews and stuff, it's you see like these big stars on Jimmy Kimmel, that sort of thing, and. They're the ones that get the spotlight, and I mean, it makes sense. They are very, they're very good looking. They're charismatic. People want to watch them. Um, yeah. But for this, I want to kind of, you know, go behind the scenes a little bit and, you know, talk to people like you who, you know, may not get the spotlight I mean, on these yeah, projects. You know. Well, here's the thing. Like, have you ever watched the behind the scenes videos for like Frozen or any anime? Uh, thing? I have seen a few of them. I know. Yeah. Uh, Frozen recently came out with making of frozen 2 yeah. or whatever i, I mean when you, wa- when yeah. you watch them they gloss over a lot of stuff it's very broad and big picture kind of like what i'm talking about because mm-hmm. again general audiences you know either they don't understand or they can't really understand all these little intricacies that go in between so it's best to kind of just cover the big picture stuff right right yeah i get you okay cool um all right let's guess we'll wrap this up um oh really yeah lastly oh, wow. Uh, lastly, before we wrap this up, do you have any tips for anyone who wants to go into the animation field? Yeah, uh, practice, get good, know what you're doing, go to school if you want, and find a good deal in the time. There's not much to it. Be good at what you do, and if you're not good, then you gotta find a way to get better. I know that's not really <laughs> specific, and it's really broad advice, but unless you ask, ask a specific question, there's really not much more I can say. Do you have to go to school to become an animator, or can you... Not. Of course not. I mean, school is not necessary at all, really. Uh, no one really cares what degree you have. All they care about is how well you can do your job and how well you are to work with. I mean, now even more, now more than ever, like online school is a much better alternative. It's cheaper, it's a lot faster, and you can learn just as well, if not better, than the traditional schooling. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, for sure. Depends on your medium, but that's for three D in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want, if you are interested in two D field, then that's a different story. You're probably gonna have to go to, to a traditional schooling for that. Why is that? But yeah, what? Why is that? Why do you have I have, to? I have no idea. That's just what I've been told. <laughs> Because I mean, you actually have to learn how to draw, you need to oh, okay. apply the traditional gotcha. techniques and understand how to do that. Whereas, you know, 3D, you just need a computer and know how to use it. I mean, to get started, to okay. Get Would you say it's like even really worth it to study 2D now? Because, like we were talking about earlier, everything I mean, is. If you like it, yeah, there's still jobs out there. A lot, there's a lot still more opportunities. Work and yeah, there's plenty, but it is admittedly more difficult. Whether or not it's worth it is up to you, really, if you're willing to go through all that trouble. I mean, how hard is it to become an animator? I think you mentioned, I don't know if we can say this or not, but you mentioned um, when you graduated, uh, out of your graduating class, a lot of your classmates had uh, trouble finding jobs. Oh, I mean, that's in general most... most... Very true, very true. Yeah, I mean, sometimes even now outside the art field, people are finding jobs with proper degrees. Right. It's difficult in general. You know, it's an entirely merit-based field, so if you're good, at, you're good at what you do, then sure, you can get a job. If you're not good, if you didn't work hard enough, if you didn't bother to take the time to learn, or if you're just not good enough, yeah, can't really, it'll be a lot more difficult. Hmm. Um, let me, let me ask this then. I don't know if we're allowed to talk, talk about this, um, but would you like, let's say someone goes to school, gets their degree, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess what would be like an ideal path for them to take? Uh, Assemble your demo reel and just start applying. That's pretty much it. 
keep animating, add more stuff to it, and then keep trying. That's pretty much it. Maybe do some free indie work? I mean, well, here's the thing. Even free indie work still requires a good amount of skill. You know, if you're, mm. like, an indie studio working on an indie game, you probably can only afford, like, one or two animators. You want them to, to be the best to truly represent mm. what your game can be. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. So really, all you can do is just practice. Okay. All you can do is just be the best out of the applicants pool. Because you got to realize, you're not just applying against other other recent graduates. You're also applying against everybody, everyone who wants to apply for that job, including industry veterans. You know, they're not just going to consider you more just because, you know, you're a student and you want some experience. They're going to want to consider who's best to work on their product, who's going to make their product look the best. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, What about, like, what... Uh... What are the big uh, studios then that people can apply apply for? for? Like film? Well, for anything, um, you know, if oh, someone yeah. graduates with an animation degree, what are the big companies that they can apply for? That you know would be the you know the far-reaching ones, and then you know, I don't know if we're allowed yeah, to say yeah, this, that's but that's hard to say because art is again subjective. Like, right. Sure, you might think, yeah, let's go to Disney, let's go to Pixar, but you might be more interested in like a smaller indie game studio, and that's what you think is best. You know, you you like that art style, you like that the way they operate, so you might prefer that over you know, a big name studio. But in general, there's like not really much of a definitive place to be, I suppose. I mean, Pixar, everyone says Pixar, because, you know, make a lot of right, money right. famous movies, but mm-hmm. Pixar doesn't really take that many people straight out of school. They'll, fly, they'll hire some people out of their internship program, but even that is like, what, a handful of people out of the entire nation? Or the entire world? Wow, wow. A day in a life of an animator. Would you say that... Most people go from studio to studio just working on projects, or are they more likely to stick with one studio for, like, a bunch of years? Studio to studio, for sure. I mean, most animation work is contract work anyways. You know, you get hired on for the project, finish the project, and you're done. You're out. Oh, wow. Yeah, staff studio jobs are a lot more difficult, especially at big-name studios. Generally, at smaller places, and, you know, that's, that's a different hmm. story. Smaller studios will hire more full-time and usually keep them on for longer, but larger-name studios have more expensive projects, and thus they can't really afford to, you know, keep employees during the off-season. Gotcha, gotcha. So they, they want to come out with a movie, they hire contractors to animate, and then once it's done, you know, you got to go look for, for other work. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. I mean, sometimes, you know, you might get hired on on staff, but that's fairly rare, especially for the big-name studios. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I think, I think that'll be it then. Uh, all right, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, John, thank you for joining us. No problem. Um, is there anything you want to plug, anything you're working on right now you want to people to you check out what I'm working on but you can follow me on twitter at young ragu that's y-u-n-g-r-a-g-u-u two u's at the end cool i will link that in the description down below and you guys can check him out if you want um cool before we end this i want to give a big shout out to my friend comic tom 101 he is a youtuber on here uh that i've been a fan of for a while and i've actually reached out to him for tips on starting this channel and he gave me some great advice um so i really appreciate it i'll link his channel in the description down below if you want to check it out thanks tom i really appreciate it um hope you can watch this episode all right guys thanks for watching everyone like comment subscribe yada 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 and i'll see you guys next time peace bye i, I mean like, joe well, rogan's are like two hours yeah have you like seen two, his first one hours. it's like have you seen his first episode it's like five minutes long isn't he just like talking to the camera or something like yeah pretty much